0: Retirement Tips Radio is brought to you by Business Radio X, the voice of business in your community. Currently serving over 25 markets, the Business Radio X network is growing fast. We're teaming up with retired execs and established entrepreneurs to support and celebrate local business leaders. If you'd like to make additional income while making a difference, discover more at BRX Team dot com. Now, here's your host.
1: Lee Cantor here, another episode of Retirement Tips Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Bob Kay with Retirement Planning Associates. Welcome, Bob. Thank you very much, Lee. Good to be here. Well before we get too far into things, tell us about Retirement Planning Associates. How are you serving, folks?
2: Well, I've been working with uh pre-retirees and retirees for, uh, over 25 years now. And, uh, been uh, able to service individuals and, uh, families and, uh, businesses, uh, working for, uh, quite a while in the areas of wealth, wealth management and, uh, estate planning and overall uh, investment planning. And that's been very satisfying to be able to assist individuals in these areas and, uh, see the positive results with uh, smooth and uh, enjoyable retirements for those we work with.
1: Now, when you're working with a new client, what are some of the fears that they have regarding, you know, managing the risk of uh, investing and, and making sure they don't kind of outlive their money and things like that?
2: Well, that's a good question. Uh, new clients uh, often do have those kind of concerns and they are, uh, Usually, uh, an area of education which seems to make quite a bit of difference in that, and I will find myself spending quite a bit of time uh, simply educating on the way the market works and the way uh, risk and uh, return and safety works and how that goes together. So that is an important uh, important area. And uh, yes, people are concerned about possibly how living their funds, and uh, that is a good area to address. They will find, oftentimes, that uh, people will be invested in areas which are basically not set up for long-term, such as uh, very low-earning savings accounts or uh, low-earning bond type of investments. And while these can seem to be sort of safer on the so-called short-term, they tend not to work well for the long-term in such a way as to uh, insure someone against living for a long period of time.
1: Now, there was a time when um, there was a ratio between uh, how much equities you should have and how much kind of safer bonds and things like that. Um, Has that changed now because of both the low interest rates and also the low inflation
2: rates? Well, that's a very interesting question to bring up that there was this kind of so-called ratio uh, of the correct investment. Um, I would say that we don't usually go by that ratio and we find that to be sort of misleading and false to have such a ratio to use. Uh, And uh, that will tend to be one of the first things I might clear up if someone has the idea that There is such a ratio. For example, I've heard, you know, if you're 60 years old, then you should have such and such, you know, 60% in bonds. And if you're 80 years old, 80%. And We find that to be very generally false and not uh, something that is particularly workable. What is more workable is simply dividing the uh, investment into long-term and short-term. So this is very important getting the difference between long term and short term and generally we find that difference that line of demarcation so to speak to be about five years meaning that anything under five years we're going to call short term and an investment for over five years is long term now the main reason for that particular division why would that be five years is because it's difficult to find a time in the overall market when one had less money after five years in general investments than one had five years before. Uh, but it's easy to find a time, one or two years, if you invested in the stock market where you could have considerably less than you started with. So that's sort of the theory of how that works. So basically, we find that the key thing is to divide the long term and short term, then We're going to put the short-term into uh, savings accounts, uh, CDs, or bond type of investments, uh, whereas the long-term can go into equities, stocks, as opposed to bonds. And this can still occur even if someone is quite older. We may have a client who is uh, in their 70s or 80s, and the long-term portion of their investment may still be invested uh, in mainly equities, uh, bonds, but we make sure that they do have enough for what they need within five years to be in short term.
1: Now, when you're having this kind of conversation with folks, um, that seems like you're putting it in terms that they can kind of grasp. They know, well, in four years, I'm going to maybe want to pay for my grandkids' college, so I better put it over here in this pile. Or as opposed to, um, you know, are I going to travel? Like they can plan out their life in those kind of chunks.
2: That is true. And in fact, I always tell people that it is important that if they have a change in plans or suddenly realize that they need extra money, as you said, for the uh, grandchild's education or to take some trips, to please let me know. And at such a time, we may make an adjustment of funds that were allocated for long-term into the short-term area and investment and uh, i will tell them to please let me know uh, if such a thing occurs and of course if we're moving out of the equities into uh, a more fixed uh, bond type of investment that will depend on where the market is at so i'll tell them that As long as the market is up and they let me know that, that we will move it right over into the other area. But if the market happens to have been down or crashed at that time, I will let them know that we'll be waiting a while until things recover before we move assets from equities over into bonds so that we're not uh, basically selling at a loss in that area.
1: Now, when you're working with a new client, especially, um, it, is it difficult for them to kind of make that transition from an accumulation mindset where they're just trying to accumulate wealth to a distribution mindset where they're now they got to uh, kind of spend it and, and use it to live on?
2: Well, that is an interesting question. Uh, and it's true, as you mentioned, that some people have this idea that On the day I retire, everything will change and suddenly all of my investments should change, whereas that tends to be usually uh, fairly far from the truth. On the day they retire, uh, many times not much will change at all. Uh, They may have a particular fixed pension from work or something like that that may work for a while. Uh, We have once someone attains age 72, they must start taking out of Uh, IRAs and uh, Tax deferred type of investments according to the IRS and government regulations and um, It's important for them to Understand how that works as far as the distribution goes So it could be that someone could keep the same investments for quite some time But we will be sure that when Some distribution is needed that a certain percent of the account well before that time is put into some sort of fixed or bond investment. This could be 10%, 15%, 20%, which will cover them in case of market downturns and so forth so that they're easily able to take out of these amounts or this area, this separate area for several years while waiting for the market otherwise to recover. And that tends to uh, be a key distribution sort of uh, angle and, uh, and way to cover the distribution that works. And it's true, as you said, people have this idea that it's, it's different and so forth. And while it is to some degree different, it isn't usually as different as many people imagine
1: Now, how do you kind of um, manage the expectations of your clients when like they're in their retirement phase now and they don't have maybe that um, kind of job money coming in where uh, where they like this new money, they're kind of living off the existing money and then something happens in the economy like, you know, we just went through the pandemic and we're still dealing with that, like something kind of disruptive occurs, how do you kind of help them manage that um, emotional side of this process?
2: Well, that is a very good question. And uh, basically, a lot of this is kind of, as I said, educating and in effect, training the client so they understand that, in fact, the market going down does not have to be a bad thing and can oftentimes be a good thing, because this can be a time to possibly put more funds into equities when the market is down and capitalize on that. And uh, it can be uh, a time to uh, move some money, which is uh, not necessarily completely needed for short term, move that into uh, the equity side of things, the stock side of things. And uh, we have repeatedly done that. We did that earlier this year when uh, the uh, market took a dip and uh, many clients have capitalized on that Uh, additionally another side of that having the fluctuations and the so-called disruptions in the market um, can uh, be a positive thing when one is putting in money gradually uh, into any sort of investment Uh, this can be uh, putting in by the month and uh One can think that you simply want the investment to go up and up. But if you're purchasing on a periodic kind of a basis, then being able to purchase lower and uh, do this on a continual basis can be a good thing. And I will sometimes remind clients who become a little nervous that things just went down that this is actually good news for them because they're still putting in by the month. Uh, into their investment, sometimes they're still working, sometimes particularly if they have a 401, uh, something like this, and the market goes down, I'd say, this is wonderful news for you. And it takes them a few moments to get used to that idea. I say, this is great. The longer the market stays down, the more you're going to be buying in a bargain into your 401. And ideally, uh, the day you retire and stop putting into the 401, at that time, it would be nice If the market then comes up, in the meantime, you don't have any good reason to want the market to soar so that you're buying in at high prices and you, in fact, would be uh, better off to be rejoicing because the market went down as long as you are in a position of contributing more funds and uh, going in uh, at a discount, just like I'll sometimes compare it to you know, a sale at Macy's uh, where would you wait for the sale to be over before going shopping or would you capitalize on the sale and buy as much as you could then? So it's a kind of a similar aspect and uh, that uh, is important to understand.
1: And when your clients are, are talking to you, do they um, – how many of them really understand kind of the um, – some of the fees or some of the costs that are related to investing, and even inflation, a little bit in terms of some of these numbers they might be aware of, but they don't really understand the impact it's going to have on their kind of monthly cash flow. Well,
2: that is uh, an interesting area to address, and uh, that area of Fees can sometimes be greatly overstressed by certain clients. I find most clients are not particularly concerned about that and understand that we are overall doing the best we can on investing. Uh, we, of course, look for the least uh, expensive fees and least costs uh, when all things being equal. However, it is true that a few clients, a small percentage, will sometimes get kind of wrapped up in the idea that you absolutely must uh have the lowest fee, and that is paramount and more important than anything else, which is uh, very certainly not completely true. It's kind of like if you uh, you know went to buy uh, a sofa at uh, one store and the uh, you've got a very low uh, shipping charge or it's free shipping, but the sofa cost you $2,000 and you went and got the exact same sofa, Uh, at uh, another store for $1,000, but it had a $100 uh, delivery fee. And uh, in that case, you're looking at the idea of uh, simply having the lowest fee would not put you ahead at all because you would have spent almost double the money getting the same thing just because you tried to save on fees. Now, of course, I'm not saying that uh, investing is exactly like that, but it does give one an idea. And uh, you can have a situation where if your uh, return, for example, was going to be, say, uh, uh, 10% and uh, you had a, uh, a 1% uh, fee or charge, this is just giving an example, and you ended up with 9%, But what if your fee, your overall return was uh, 12% and you had a 2% fee or charge, and now your overall return was 10%. In other words, 12 minus 2. And this is very, very important because sometimes people will miss this and not realize that the number one thing you want is the overall return after expenses and fees, uh, not before. So you want to put the whole picture together uh, as far as investing goes and look to see that. Now, of course, once you put everything together, all investments being equal, yes, uh, of course you'd like to have fees which are less, not more. and That makes complete sense. However, many times that is not the case. Investments are not equal and has different areas to consider on that. So those are important. Uh, important things to understand, and I've found that uh, oftentimes people do understand and don't put a lot of attention uh, on the idea of fees and charges, but once in a while when they do, I try to make these things kind of clear, as, just, as I just have now, uh, how this kind of goes together so that one has basically the perspective, the, uh, the idea of where does it fit in, is this the most important or the least important, or how does it fit in generally, and how does that all go together?
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about your book, "How to Avoid Not Having Enough Money to Live On After Retirement." We talked about that earlier, as that is some fear uh, of people, and it seems like you've written a book that is trying to lay some of those fears. What what compelled you to write the book?
2: Well, I found myself uh, basically working with clients, explaining these things. As I said, largely educational. And it kind of occurred to me that uh, having the book on that same area, the same things that I was speaking about generally would be kind of a good reinforcement and a good area for clients, as well as a kind of introduction for the general public uh, as well into these areas and ways to make that sense, make sense of it. Um, In the book, I basically laid out a lot of the terminology because I found that many people will have these kind of misunderstandings on terminology, exactly what does it mean, Uh, things as simple as uh, stocks and bonds. Uh, I will sit down with someone and assume that they don't necessarily know what these are. And that seems to be a good way to go because generally people are embarrassed to ask certain questions. They think they're supposed to know what something is. Someone thinks they're supposed to know uh, stocks generally are uh, ownership in a large corporation, and bonds generally are loans from an individual to a large corporation or a government. But many people don't exactly understand that as clearly, and so I like to start off on kind of a, what do you call it, a grade school approach on not assuming that they're advanced experts, but assuming that they're not quite sure what's going on about this and uh, and taking it from there. And I have found this to be true, uh, even with clients with millions of dollars in investments. Uh, it isn't automatically that the one with bigger investments understands things better. Sometimes it could even be the reverse. Someone can have millions of dollars in investment and barely understand the difference between a stock and a mutual fund or a bond and uh, The person with a small investment might understand it. So it's not uh, For sure and I find that that is very good to go over that and this book does that very very clearly Uh, It takes up each term each uh, term each uh, word uh, and it goes over in very simple language what that is, it has a few diagrams showing these kind of things, it takes up inflation, it takes up uh, what is the stock, uh, what is uh, the uh, types of uh, ways one invests, but it does it by looking at understanding each of these terms, and in fact, the book even includes some crossword puzzles after someone goes through so they can kind of test their knowledge on did they really learn this new terminology and did they get it down? And, uh, I'm starting to find people appreciating that and being able to gradually, uh, at their own speed, so to speak, uh, pick up this information, uh, in a way where they're not bothering someone else to ask questions and showing they didn't quite get it where they can simply look at the book and go through it slowly. And, uh, and learn and learn and be more and more educated in the overall
1: field. Yeah, education is so critical in order to have a successful retirement. I agree 100%. Now, also to have a successful retirement, I think that it's important to kind of make some adjustments, course corrections as you're going. Now, do you find that you have to kind of meet regularly with your clients to make these kind of tweaks and maybe rebalance or to meet maybe reallocate periodically?
2: Well, that is a, uh, a good question, and there's a few parts to that. Uh, one is, of course, the, uh, the investments that we use, uh, the funds, uh, so to speak, uh, the managers can once in a while change, things can happen. Uh, you think that you have a, a particular fund uh, that's working well, but maybe the manager changes and uh, it in effect becomes a new fund. And I compare this sometimes to let's say a ball team where you had this winning team, but now you have a new coach, a new uh, owner, a new manager and a new star player, and it just isn't the same team anymore. And uh, you're not gonna be so sure of the future of the uh, wins and successes of that team. And it's kind of the same way with the particular investment Uh, Largely in a particular mutual fund a mutual fund being a group of stocks usually 100 uh, something like that different stocks and sometimes bonds and uh, one uh, Can have that uh, looking at that overall? uh, into the future and uh, It can be uh, important to understand uh, how that works with uh, the allocations and so forth. So we may from time to time make an adjustment. And we'll of course be in touch with the clients on that and let them know at this time we're switching from this into this. And they knew that ahead of time. It's okay. Uh, because of a particular, uh, fund, uh, change in management, or it could just be that the fund didn't do so well for some reason after some considerable period of time. And, uh, We took a look at that as well. We tend to keep track of the allocations, meaning the different portions of the market that we're putting into, and uh, that is important to to cover. But overall, uh, making sure that clients are uh, properly continuing as time goes by and as you said sort of meeting we will meet from time to time sometimes this can be done over the phone sometimes meetings are good i might may spend uh uh a while as much as an hour or two sometimes with a particular client in some area that as i said education this just uh uh, clears things up lets them know how everything is going and that can be very uh, beneficial overall
1: now it sounds like um Education is at the heart of kind of your mission and why you're doing what you're doing is to make sure you have uh, folks ready to go and educated so they can make informed decisions when it comes to having a successful retirement. If somebody wanted to learn more, uh, what is the website?
2: My, my website is basically my name, B-O-B-K-A-Y-E, that's bobk.net it's .dot net. It's not .dot com. It's .dot net. Bob .dot net is my website. And yes, it's true that uh, gives further information and needs to a way to contact and so forth.
1: Right, and it's chock full of information. You can get information about the book. You can get information about your investment philosophy, all your services. It's just uh, articles. You got all kinds of calculators, all kinds of things to help a person make informed choices.
2: That is certainly true, yes, and uh, it is uh, good for someone to be able to look over these areas and uh, be able to uh, have contact information and uh, on their own work out uh, what is the best and the best kind of advice and so forth.
1: Well, Bob, thank you so much uh, for sharing your story today. Uh, We appreciate the work you're doing. It's important.
2: Uh, Absolutely, Lee. I've really been... uh, very happy to uh, go over this and uh, enjoy spending the time. And I certainly hope this is indeed helpful for uh, individuals to have such information and uh, will lead to better success in overall retirement planning and investing.
1: All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on retirement tips radio.
0: Retirement Tips Radio is brought to you by Business Radio X, the voice of business in your community. Currently serving over 25 markets, the Business Radio X network is growing fast. We're teaming up with retired execs and established entrepreneurs to support and celebrate local business leaders. If you'd like to make additional income while making a difference, discover more at BRX Team dot com.